Hi, and welcome to a very special edition of FIA Goes PC. We're live on YouTube. I say live. Obviously, uh, we've been recorded. Because we're in Japan, everyone. We're in Japan. Go think it. Go think it. Go think it. We're in Japan. Tokyo, nonetheless. And uh, so we're going to name this the Super Super Fun Genki Edition, which means nothing in particular, but just energy. And uh, yeah, today we thought, well, we can't do anything in normal streaming podcasts. So this is a YouTube exclusive. You know, everyone say that. YouTube exclusive. Anyone? No one? YouTube exclusive. Correct. Thank you. Um, I haven't done the introductions yet, but I will now. As always, I'm your host, Rebel Zen. And with me, and you can all see her for the first time since a long time, is our producer, Winifred Saylor. Hello. And in the far regions, my distant future, you could say, he is the unicorn slayer, and his name is Pete. Say hello. 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 Does that mean I'm going to end up like you? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Maybe just like me. Chiseled, amazing, awesome, and the host of this brilliant podcast. You, you never know. You never know what could happen. It's a distant future. So. We are here. We are live, uh, kind of, in Tokyo. And you are watching from around the world. And this is basically to launch Series 3. Woo! Of Project FIA. We've done Series 2. You've all seen it by now. If you haven't, you should have. Uh, that is in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. But we came all the way here to Tokyo. We had our preconceptions of Japan coming in. We are now hardcore veterans of the city. And we're going to tell you... Our top 10 what, Winifred? Our top 10 weird and wonderful things that we found in Japan. Well, we'll say Tokyo. Tokyo. Because we are in Tokyo. The yes. whole of Japan is a very large place. This is true. Large in my arms. Tokyo. We've only really been to Tokyo at this point yet. Thank you for being PC. Well, it's the title of the podcast, so I have to. <laughs> um, yes. So we're going to tell you weird and wonderful things, top 10 of that we have found in Tokyo, really, of Tokyo area. And we've covered the whole area. We've actually calculated about 160 miles in, in uh, three weeks by foot, something like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of walking. Oh, yes. We do what people don't usually do. We walk. Most people will take a bus. Most people might take the train. Most people might take a taxi if they can afford it. And most people might just fly if you're Superman. I don't know. But there you go. So the top ten... Uh, we did sort of bridge at the end of, uh, in a normal podcast, which you can totally understand, is on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all of your major things, like Spotify. Go there now, and you'll, you, might, you, you might know who we are. Just Google that. Project FIA Goes PC, and uh, it should come up. It should. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, tell your mom and dad, because something, something or somebody has been very naughty. And that's wrong. So, uh, top ten. We're going to start from 10 and go all the way up to 1, because that's what all the cool kids do, mm. or something. Uh, but yeah, welcome. Anyway, you can actually see us doing gestures and stuff, and if you'd been listening the to us on the podcast... time ever. Exactly. This is... Well, not the first... Technically... We did something with season one, time. didn't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> technically. This is the first time you've seen Toko format. Yeah. And I think everyone will be very impressed. This is our home in Tokyo, uh, temporary home. We do actually live in a mansion down the road, but we just thought you got to see this because uh, 
Well, we want to be humble for you. We Don't broke worry. it and we wanted to share it with everyone. Well, this is just the top tip of our bathroom, really. Yeah. Uh, usually. Uh, so anyway, we are here and top 10. Because we talked about what we all thought about Japan before we came here on a normal podcast. That was the whole plug to that. But now we are here. Now we've lived it. Things that we didn't even think about have made this top 10. So we're going to start. Winnie's going to go through all the numbers. So start us at number 10. Okay. At number 10, we have vending machines. Vending machines. Pete, do you want to take this one as a leader? Well, we knew, we knew they were around. We knew they were popular. We knew there were some weird and wonderful things. What I've since discovered is there is one vending machine for every 23 people in Japan, which is just a ridiculous number. And here in Tokyo, it's outstandingly a big number of that, I think. They're I think... absolutely everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got your standard drinks machines. Um, now, I wonder, does Gacha count? Gacha does count as vending, sure. Mm. Yeah. It's its own kind of, if no one knows what Gacha is, it's kind of like these little capsule things. Think Kinder Surprise without the chocolate. It's basically I'll be able to show you one now that we're... uh... Oh, yeah, now that (laughs) we're visual, uh, now that we can see you. But basically, Gacha is that. You've seen them in the UK. We have them in the UK, but we don't call them Gacha. I think we call them capsules. I'm not quite sure. There's uh, (laughs) our producer is now juggling Gacha. (laughs) Off she goes. Now, all of you guys at home can understand in this uncut format of our podcast, our producer is basically a cat. I wanted to show the camera, so... That's very nice of you. For all the kids at home, you now know what a gacha is. And that has a little replica of a uh, temple entrance gate inside it. Yes. Yes, Which which... uh, has to be assembled, so I'm not going to bother. Okay. (laughs) Because I'll (laughs) just show myself up. Most gates have to be assembled. Uh, This one is no different. And you need a lot of uh, the right glues and things like this, don't you? It's very complicated. Mm -hmm. But eventually, it's a life-size pagoda in your back garden. So I think that's pretty cool that they put down a little handheld gacha. It's crazy, isn't it? Pretty amazing. Mm. So gacha isn't part of it. One thing I will say, normal drinks vending machines aren't actually quite normal. Because no. they have hot and cold drinks in them, mostly. Yeah, you got a hot can of coffee, didn't you? I did, by accident. By accident. Because I couldn't read the Japanese, so I actually thought it was cold, but it turned out <laughs> to be quite hot. Which is a bit of a shock. But then mm-hmm. I realised that they've been kind. I haven't written any English, which would be kinder. They've just written like a flame outline mm. to all of the things. So... You, Obviously, that's hot or barbecued. I don't know. <laughs> barbecued but, but coffee. The, yeah. But the vending sh- machine, I believe, was invented here in Japan. Mm. Uh, the original one. And I also believe that the ones you see here, uh, they all have prop models in a kind of glass window display. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they are very unique to here. I don't think anywhere else in the world has a Japanese vending machine. Mm. So we all have them around the world, but nothing like this one. They've also got the fully electronic one now which yeah. just has the pictures, and you can only pay by card. Is it all touchscreen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I that's think we saw future. that at one of the uh, train stations. Yeah, that was Awena, Sky, was, it? was it? Awena? Oh, no, it was, no. Sky, it was Sky, I thought, where was it? No, 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 no. No, I, I believe it was Skytree, wasn't it? No, it was when I came to meet you guys, so that was Ikebukuro. The last There's place. one in Akihabara as well, then. Is there yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the last place we're going to say is right. So yeah, yeah. it was in Delaware. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to move on from vending machines. I think we've covered that. But there, I think your point is more the outstanding number of them. Mm. You've never really seen so many anywhere. We, we haven't life. seen anything ridiculously weird. Um, I think the fresh fruit 
is among the weirder things. The fresh fruit was quite strange. Mm. I think we've also seen, um, I think I saw an umbrella one. Mm. And I've seen an umbrella one. one in Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, t-shirt. We've seen a few t-shirt vending machines. Yeah. It seems like every nation's got their own vending machine because mm. Hong Kong, now you said it, has mm. its own type of vending machine. Yeah. America definitely does. We have the typical American vending machine, candy and snacks and stuff, which is usually in hospitals or things like that. We usually have those at sports centers in the UK, which yeah. is a strange thing. And then we have the Coca-Cola, its own thing, can drops, blows up in your face when you open it. That's more universal, isn't it? There used to be a pot noodle one at Tudor Grange. Mm. There you go. Pot noodle. See, that's quite weird. That, that is awesome. weird. Yeah. 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 Well, I think yeah. the fact that basically you walk, say, you know, 20 steps and there's a vending machine. I haven't had... There's two or three vending machines. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I haven't felt the need to have, like, a water bottle or no. anything. Like, you want it, it's oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing that's Back very... streets, car yeah. parks, Exactly. Everywhere. But the thing that's very strange is that a vending machine, which is usually priced higher mm. than most even convenience stores here which is quite unique to here because most things break even around the world mm. but here it's actually a bit more pricey um you have enough convenience stores however to not need a vending machine mm. so it's almost like degrees of laziness <laughs> so i can't be bothered to go the extra 10 steps to the convenience store i will stop off at this you know convenient vending machine instead but I think there's some that read your fortunes and there's weird and wonderful ones that mm -hmm. walk next to you and they shadow you for half a mile. We haven't seen them, but it's a big place, Tokyo. We've only been to probably 85% of it by foot, which don't do at home, kids, if uh, you ever come here. You couldn't do it at home anyway. You'd be walking for most of your lifetime. Anyway, so we're going to move on. What is number nine? Number nine is pasta, but not as you know it. Pasta, but not as you know it. Mm. That's my tag. Because I came up, I'm so clever. I mean, what a great title. That could be a novel. Definitely. It could be. Or a comic series hmm. of comedians. Pasta, but series not as of comedian you know comics, yeah. But what I will say is, I use that to kind of tag in. Pasta here is a good example of a simulation. So a lot of things in Japanese culture are simulated by other cultures. It's almost like... Um, that probably doesn't make a lot of sense the way I said that. It's almost like, it's almost like uh, if you go to America, you have an interpretation of Chinese food. We've discussed that in the past in the podcast. If you go anywhere, you've got an interpretation of something. Instead of an interpretation fully crediting the makers of, Japan seems to just Japaneseify everything, mm -hmm. if that's a term. And if it isn't, it should be in a dictionary right now. And it's pretty cool, in a sense, because it basically, it's like, you've taught us how to do the base, and we've turned it into something for our people, which I think there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's pretty much as uh, lasagna in the UK, or spaghetti bolognese yeah. in the UK. <laughs> we've done a similar thing. Um, when you go to Italy, for real, you kind of be shocked, like, well, that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Not It shouldn't exist, I'll say. It might exist for tourism. But here, it's kind of an assimilation process. So one thing that that leads to is in language, when you can read any of the alphabets, but the particular one is, is it hiragana? Uh, for English, you yeah. mean? Katakana. Katakana. Mm -hmm. I always get them confused. But if you can read any base of the alphabets, most wording here are actually English when you start breaking it down. Well, I think we went to a... Uh... 
I think it was a pasta restaurant or like a westernized restaurant. And basically 90% of the menu was in katakana, mm. uh, which is English in Japanese sounds. Yeah, yeah. so it's pairing sounds and then it's an English word, yeah. more or less. Generally speaking, mm. not always. But yeah. Which is interesting because if they don't have an English menu, it's more or less in English, but obviously we can't read it. So then we're stuck to sort of point at pictures. But it's also quite impressive, actually, how many people read what you've ordered back to you in English, Japanese couplets, right? Yeah. But it's almost like you could converse with them, mm. you know? It's a strange thing. So not only is food being assimilated to a Japanese palate, but language, mm. especially ours, has been too, or it's in the process of it, which is an interesting thing when you come here. You don't realise it's that relevant to tokyo i think it'd be rarer in other parts of japan probably yeah if you're on youtube now and you're japanese and you're from a different region of japan let us know in the comments you won't but if you do we'll all learn if we'll they do they might write japanese yeah just yeah. to prove a point yeah. just to prove a point <laughs> but i think we can translate we it win. yeah yeah we could translate it or we could just get winter translate it for us it'll take five years mm -hmm. but anyway if you are out there and you can correct us please do on the comments somewhere down there no one has yet but that's fine so we're going to move on to number eight number eight ambulances oh i think that's a peak one i'd be very surprised if we actually managed to get through this entire podcast without one going past so hopefully we will have an example for you but they're a ridiculously loud Either that or the walls are ridiculously thin. Which is a bit of both. Which is a bit of both. It's a bit of both. B, they've got a tannoy system, which essentially gratuitously thanks every single driver that gets out the way five times. In, in a second. Yeah. And C, they're really slow. Yeah. Well, things we've noticed, not only that, but they're immensely small. They're like yeah. mini cabs or something. Mini mini cabs. They're, they're a, a Volkswagen camper van. Pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. Even smaller though, more compact mm. really. But the it's an important thing because most countries in the world, an ambulance, especially in the USA, if you're watching, hi, how are you doing, America? But if you're in the USA, an ambulance is basically the ownership of the road. They're yeah. all private as well, so you get different sizes. Some look like fire engines, some don't. <laughs> but you you got loads of different sort of organisations for ambulances because of private healthcare and different departments and so on and so forth. In the UK, though, ours are kind of massive. They're huge. And you will get out Standard, the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Get out of the way. They'll fly past. Mm -hmm. Here, however, it seems that even with a siren on, people do get out of the way. But, mm. of course, the roads are super narrow where we are. And we're only really hearing them here. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, they'll get out of the way. But the ambulance is still following the law and legal structure of the road. Yeah. <laughs> so... It's almost like a siren is a mute point, <laughs> you know. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been pretty gnarly. Like, you, you'll have it 24 mm. hours a day. Yeah. And a tannoy literally sounds like someone's yelling in your ear. You know, yeah, it's it that does. loud. Mm. Because, Mad. obviously, everything is quite thin here. Mm. And like it's not restricted by time. Either. No, not at all. Like I think I mentioned in a previous podcast, there was one at, like, 5 in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. one thirty in the morning. You know, it's just like... But we also, on that note of ambulances, we also had a random dude here making a loop. And he'd get stuck at the traffic lights, but he's playing a promo tannoy. 
can't understand what it is, but it's like telling you the Bible in Japanese or something. <laughs> it went on for years. And this thing is at full volume. Only a little blue mini car again, like a mini Jeep almost. And he's just driving around, but because he's stuck at the lights and the lights seem to go on for 10 years here sometimes, it, it's like a good 15 minutes of someone screaming at you. Well, on a slight tangent, the only massive vehicles we have seen have been those that have been advertising shows or whatever it is. Yeah, that's a good point. All the trucks have been really yeah. small, yeah. delivery Apart trucks. Apart from those, they're going around blaring out music. I don't know what for. All uh, Akihabara areas yeah, yeah. in Shinjuku and Shibuya, there's always something going on. So they're just basically getting your attention for maybe a bar or a theme bar yeah. or something like that, which we will get to in a bit. Hmm. So I think, yeah, the ambulance is a bit of a shocker. I think it was a level of sound. Mm -hmm. I think they've got Napoleon complex, is what I think. Because they're <laughs> trying and they're making a lot of sound. Do you mm. know what I think? Yeah. So you guys come here and let me know what you think, but it's pretty crazy. Mm. Anyway, so moving on, what's, okay. the, what's the next uh, one? Number seven, extreme etiquette. Oh, I'll take that one. <laughs> extreme etiquette. Okay, so before you come to Japan, if you are just coming here because your friends say, hey, man, Tokyo is an amazing place. We're going to stick with Tokyo. I keep saying Japan. Shouldn't mm -hmm. do that. Yeah. Sorry, Japan. Tokyo. Amazing place. You come here. It's crazy. All this weird stuff. You'll see robots everywhere. The toilets will talk to you and all this stuff. <laughs> we all have a basis knowledge of Japan and Tokyo because we've seen documentaries. There's access. A lot of the culture is now very relevant in the media, uh, animation, comics, etc., etc. But nothing really explains, definitely I'm not, not on the plane, nothing really explains when you get to the ground here, the intensity of the etiquette. And yeah. It's always changing. For an example, most people suggest that you walk on the left side of the road, uh, footpath I should say, rather than the road because you'll get hit by a car, footpath. So you make way for people on the right to go past. Same with escalators. So you yeah. stand on the, on the left. Whereas in Hong Kong, you stand on the right. Yeah, most places, yeah. I think, it's the flip. I think it's to do with uh, driving. Yeah. How you drive on the road. Probably. Because yeah. they let drive here like we are in England. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, mm. it could be basically that. But Hong Kong is, so that wouldn't make a lot of sense. Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, so it's a theory. So just blow my theory out of the water. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a theory. It could still work. I was work. about to swear at you then, but I realise we're live. Yeah, and PC. Yeah. But basically, like... It's for some reason, it's fine. It's just a division. When you're in the uh, subways, sometimes it flips. You'll see an arrow marking on the floor. It usually means if you're going down, stay on this side. If you're going up, stay on this side. But it flips. Well, our randomly. train station's right yeah, when exactly. you're going in. Then when you get to the steps, go down to the platform. It then flips. you go on the left. Yeah. So it must be like you must have to mentally set a map and weave it. And yeah. then it'll make total sense. I think it's good in a sense to mark it out like that. But the thing that's weird is you get to a certain age here and it doesn't seem to apply to you. So I think senior <laughs> citizens get a free pass to do whatever they want. Most of them are rolling down the street, you know. But uh, it's, it's interesting. That etiquette is one of the more simple ones. Mm -hmm. The one, the two big hits of etiquette that we found. Uh, the weirdest one, I think, uh, for me coming into this is the oppression on smoking, vaping, and things like this. Mm. Now, if you are coming in because you think Tokyo's the hippest place in the world, and you're a big hipster from Los Angeles, and you're a massive vape aficionado, 
you're going to find it really weird because mm. you're going to get here. Number one, all the technology is zero milligram. It's, in, it's against the law to have any nicotine in vape, right? I think that's fair. I think that's a fair point. Mm -hmm. Stops the kids getting hooked and stuff. Fair point. But all the tech's different. So any technology you got in America is always, it's probably going to seem like you're a crack addict if you bring it here. Because <laughs> I think people will view it like, oh my God, that dude's heavy duty. Mm. You know, it's like a shisha in his hand. It's a weird one. And also mm. you can only vape at any point, even with 0% nicotine in smoking areas, which bridges to the smoking areas. It is now impossible to walk down the street smoking. You can't do mm -hmm. it. So every district and ward in Tokyo has a smoking area sign, multiple. Some cafes, some convenience stores might have a top layer that you, you'll see it signposted. And some cafes, you can just walk in, they'll have a separate smoking area. It's a bit, I think I read a review uh, on Yelp or something about that subject. Mm. And they were saying it's a bit like going backwards if you're a non-smoker. Because mm. you walk into a cafe and you'll smell it straight away or whatever. But what I think they're missing is the point is, it's extremely difficult, especially for Pete walking around. It's been extremely difficult to kind of link up where I can go and what I can do. And where you think you're behaving, you can get busted for it if yeah. you get it wrong. Mm. Essentially, each major train station has got two or three around it. Yeah. And apart from that, apart from the odd one, it's all in, like you say, in the cafes, mm -hmm. uh, in the restaurants. But it's it, scattered. And when you, yeah. when you don't know this, you're made to feel very criminal mm. if you offend it. So it's quite interesting. I'm just saying that to uh, the people at home because it is really hard to navigate that. It's very alien, actually. Mm. Um, so that's a big kind of help if you're coming out here and you're a big pub guy. Like, we've just had the Rugby World Cup here. Yeah. The Olympics are coming. And it seems like they're curbing it even more extreme when the Olympics here. Well, I believe the law was actually brought in to clean up the city for yeah. the Olympics. Yeah. yeah. It was actually a watered-down version what was originally proposed yeah which was no cafes no bars yeah literally only all. only designated areas smoking areas yeah, yeah, yeah that's it so we're talking about the future that's kind of bleak folks if you're a smoker well, it's kind of <laughs> weird because like for a smoker you have to find those designated areas yeah. and that's they're usually a, up a lot annoyance. of stairs too but then yeah. for non-smokers it's also weird because on the street you're like oh yeah it's clean and stuff and then you go into a restaurant as daddy yeah. said yeah. and then it's like oh people are smoking in this cafe yeah that's i think that's so, the thing you've got to be double prepared yeah mm -hmm. yeah because they're so, not all split either some some restaurants are uh, just open so it's like yeah. old school england or sometimes you're they have a smoking room like in the airports and mm -hmm. stuff yeah they'll seal it off in places and then every... other places they won't oh. no. but when you are coming here you should oh it's just haunted because we're halloween things um, crashed into the building yeah 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 it's um it's basically an ambulance yeah. So it was just the uh, nah, driver. Can't be. We didn't hear it. <laughs> well, the driver got propelled by his own voice and just landed yeah, on the yeah. window. Um, but basically, I think that's a good thing to key out. So if you get here, look it up online, maps and things like this. If you've got Japanese friends out here or guides or something, ask them because it's a big thing. Mm -hmm. You don't want to annoy the locals because you will. It's kind of a big taboo, actually, culturally, because you get treated mm -hmm. a bit like scum. And there's a 2,000 yen fine for smoking on the streets. And it's policed. 
very much policed mm -hmm. as well. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, as etiquette applies to smoking, never show a kid that you're smoking. Here, that's a big mm. no-no because you don't want to get kids hooked. It works for you, but it doesn't work for the kids, mm. basically. So, yeah, that's just a disclaimer, really. <laughs> Drinking, however, don't really matter. There's not a lot of places except for theme park rides that say you can't drink. So you can probably walk around with a can of beer in certain places or whatever. Um, it depends because I mean, the Halloween party. Oh uh, yeah, in well Shibuya. that's that's anything that's mm. logical. If you've got a mass amount of people, yeah, you're obviously not going to be able to. You but... you used to be able to drink on the streets like for like parties and stuff, yeah. but then because it's been it's been rowdy in the past, mm. they're kind of cracking down. So yeah, just double check. Yeah, well, it's, it's, that's <laughs> logical. Uh, What's but it's, and what's yeah, not. I think colloquially you can. It's fine. Mm. But who really wants to do that when you have got a perfectly good bar? Well, on on that note, I think something that did surprise me was the amount of drunk people we've seen staggering home at night. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't something I expected to see, and mm. not just kids. We saw a nice rowdy bunch in our local bar the one night. Yeah, but um, but yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but literally just in our area, just you know, middle-aged office workers staggering home. Oh yeah, um, we've we've had a few. Well, we we the first week we got it, we mm -hmm. had a few people locally uh, yeah. walking around, nearly falling down alleyways and things like mm -hmm. this. All old enough to know better. I'm going to point <laughs> out they weren't teenagers, so that's another kind of culture of shock. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. The etiquette stuff here as well. Um, things like be polite to everyone uh, instead of saying anything to them, just bow your head in mm. silence with a smile on your face. That's all you need to do. Don't keep yapping on. Uh, they don't like that. And if you're on public transport, everything's discretion. Keep yourself to yourself almost. If you're in a group, speak quietly. Mm. And it's basically like being on a quiet train if in the UK. Just be respectful and be prepared to play pinball with people, especially yes. at rush hour. You've always got to make ways and channels for the Japanese people to get past you. Otherwise, they're too polite to say anything. I'll miss their stops. You know, it's... Or they'll just throw you off the train and kick in the head. It's really, it's really who you got on the train with you. But it's just things like that. You've got to check. I would say to anyone visiting Tokyo, especially, I think the rules here are quite harsh compared to other places in Japan where they might be a bit more softer. But they're all around the same anywhere you go. Mm. I think what I would say is check the Japanese local etiquette. There's great things online. Uh, especially I think Reddit's a good source for that but you can see what to do and what not to do from a local perspective there's been a lot of Japanese people helping people coming into the country understand this now whatever your thoughts are it's a case where I think Japan's one of the last safe bastions of its own culture trying to protect it so essentially it's almost like going into Australia when you've got loads of issues with the wildlife and nature and they're very strict at the gate in the airport they're really strict i once mm. had i think it was like a little drum that yeah. I, I that i wanted to bring with me as just an instrument and they were inspecting it because the 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 skin is obviously um animal yeah. hide yeah and they were being a little bit weird i'm like what are you gonna do are you gonna like take my <laughs> drum apart and just <laughs> i don't yeah. know but it's kind of like it, i think it's a good case in point and australia the uh the customs is quite strict mm. here the etiquette is quite strict. Yeah. so yeah. it's basically that mentality and i think anyone coming into any country anyway from courtesy should know where they're going to before they imply their own i think there's a logic. lot more here than uh 
other places. There's there. probably the most here than any yeah. place I've ever been in and my the, life. The other, the other one that um, I point out is uh, tattoos. Oh yeah. If you do have tattoos, then they don't like them here. In so, certain places, I'll literally stop you walking in. If yeah, if um, if you do go to a spa or anything like that, um, they won't let you in with tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. Full stuff. And that's that's culturally because it has um symbolization to organize crime here. Mm. Um yeah, they that it's it's a frown upon thing. They've been more tolerant in the in the rugby world cup. Yeah. And With they've the been they'll of, probably be yeah. more tolerant in the Olympics. Mm. Don't let it scare you too much. I know there's a lot of fellas in, in the USA and, and ladies out there. With the sleeve tattoos, yeah. and, and you can't really hide that no. unless you're wearing jumpsuits all the time. <laughs> um, Especially in the heat. Yeah, you'll be okay in in a lot of places here. Mm. A lot of places I won't even bat an eyelid, but you will find it difficult in anything like a public sauna, uh, swimming pool, maybe mm. a gym. Mm. Some highfalutin restaurants will just literally stop you walking through the door. Um, there's 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 etiquette, and that's that's actually another point. Um, the final point really is. There are still places in Tokyo, and this is quite shocking to me, and this is an etiquette thing as well, that will not let foreigners in, mm. full stop. That can be a cafe, that can be a restaurant, mm -hmm. that can be a spa. Um, mostly it's really that. might be a pachinko hall, it might be some bars and nightclubs, but it's because usually I think it's protection of culture or they've had bad experiences. It's not unlike going to America where you say want to film at a studio and they say, have you got a multi-million insurance policy because some jackass ruined it for everyone. I think you'll find that 90% of it is because they've had a bad experience with a foreigner. And mm. of course, Japanese people are built to tackle. If Pete went on a wild rampage, it wouldn't be unlike trying to uh, tame a wild elephant. You know, at full crazy. Well, I am also part of organised crime. Yeah, exactly. I, so. <laughs> Strong. But basically, like, the point I'm trying to say is you're going to say, wow, that's really crazy, you know, but I think you'll find that segregation has happened because of problems in the past. I will say, however, more than ever, that's getting smaller as a number because mm. it used to be quite wild, wide knowledge that. Mm. But it seems like a lot of people are more tolerant now. And it could just be an innocent thing, like they just simply don't understand English, so they can't talk to you or communicate. Unfortunately, everyone who's not English, if you're Brazilian, African, continental Africa, it's a big country, um, anyone really that's not Japanese, including Chinese, you'll be put in that category too. Even Filipinos and Thai and everything that's close. It, everyone's put in that category. So it's not a white exclusive. We're not privileged to be untolerated. But we are kind of, aren't we, Pete? We're very untolerated. No one likes us. That's just us, though. It's yeah, that, that is just us. us. Yeah, we have that privilege. Shall we move on? We will move yeah. on. That's etiquette for you. Yes. <laughs> uh, number six, we have touched upon this in previous podcasts, but the organization of CD shops <laughs> was something that we uh, that found difficult. definitely yours, then. That's a mine, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, well, number one, it's quite incredible and radical that CD shops, to the volume, still exist here. Yeah. Tower Records is still here. It's like, it's like stepping back into the night. Tower Records is here. HMV is here. Not to be confused with our HMV in the UK because it's a separate entity, but it's copied all of our stuff. The simulation folks, but they actually 
fought for their right to have their own one. Uh, there's a load of indie ones. Disc mm-hmm. Union comes to mind. There's there's just basically loads of CD shops. When you walk into a CD shop in the UK, USA, they still have a few in the USA, you usually have all the discs flat facing with the album artwork and then it's stacked behind in, in you know, rows. We also have alphabetical order. Okay, so... You'll get to your metal section or your rock pop section, A to Z, definitely. And it makes sense, okay? In Hong Kong, same. Even in Hong Kong, same. But here in Japan, they have three alphabets. So you don't have an alphabet structure like we have. You have sounds of alphabets, and that completely changes the game because you'll be an A and then you'll see a Z, and you'll be like, what? Mm-hmm. The other thing is, they don't stack it album face facing you. They stack it sleeve facing you. And in that regards, you can't read a damn thing. So you really, on 90% of the stuff there, it's in squiggly you, wiggly. You do the standard bookshop lean, where you walk along the aisles doing this. Yeah, exactly. And also, and this is another thing, you just remind me of another thing, where we have tags, we usually have it because it's face, you'll have the tag above mm-hmm. the artist. So you can eat, it's like going through a document folder in a yeah, filing yeah. cabinet. But here, no, no, no. It's on side, and most people are size, <laughs> which is a lot of the world. Can't actually see that. It takes you about, it's like being at a magic eye gallery. You kind of, oh, there it is. And, and you get that angle, and then you can see them all. But you realize within 10 seconds, you've got full body cramp. Because mm-hmm. this is really low. So if you are here, the best thing we can advise you to do to find the CD that you want, especially if it's J-pop and anime, they usually have a search computer. And mm-hmm. luckily, they do have English on that. So you can search in your own language. If it's uh, Spanish or whatever, it'll cover that too. It's basically like a universal keyboard. But I will say this. 95% it'll be out of stock. <laughs> Sold out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As we have found out. I was looking for one CD in particular by the Yoshida brothers and the lady said, "Uh there's one in Kyushu, which is mm. like a different part of the Tokyo, island." Tokyo, it's south, yeah. Yeah. None in Tokyo, so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And also with 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 the uh the way they're stacked. Some of the even even with the J-pop and whatever, some of it uses our alphabet. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. some of up. it uses one of the Japanese. Yeah, alphabets. exactly, exactly. So it's, it's, it's just, all it's all out of whack. Yeah. and then there'll be some albums that you'll think just by the cover alone, because some sections do do it face mm-hmm. because they're smaller. Well, they've got sections. the specials. Yeah, that yeah. face on. Yeah. Well, they'll have the top recommendations, yeah, yeah. which we found all existed in past times in the UK <laughs> from the sixties plus. But yeah, it's, a lot of the Beatles. Yeah, the Beatles yeah. are still in the charts. Yeah. So, but it's basically quite an amazing experience to go to the CD shops anyway. Mm. Um, you'll also find randomly at times I'll have a pop band just in there doing a gig. Yeah. <laughs> We've seen several of those. Yeah. So that's or, or randomly. Yeah. Because they're interchangeable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Which it's, also um, gets confusing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an intriguing place, is Japan. So mm. CD sh- uh, stores and shops, they have etiquette too. Mm. Uh, basically, if you ask anyone there who works there a question, they will freak out. 
I expect they that. will try to help you. They though, will try and help even you, even if they don't. And understand then they will you. freak out and run out the uh, emergency exit, screaming. But there are a few actually. We saw an Australian lad. At yeah, the one working in, at uh, in, Tower uh, Was that Shibuya? It was Shibuya. Yeah. yeah. And he was there. He was a great help, and he actually explained exactly why they're out of stock, which I appreciate. <laughs> but if they uh, if they don't know what you're asking for, if they can't understand what you're talking about, they'll say it's out of stock. Pretty much. Standard answer. Yeah, and Tool isn't really a massive band in Japan as far as I know. Well, Tool is a <laughs> fairly massive band out here, but I think that they've made life immensely difficult to sell our album because it's only available in a limited special edition. Yeah. So, thanks, Tool. I was after that. <laughs> uh, only took three weeks to find it here. Yeah, yeah. And then you just realise they've only released it digitally as a standard, so you're like, great. <laughs> anyway, thanks, buddies. Uh, Maynard, cheers. Good sense of humour as always, but please... Do a standard disc, otherwise I might have to kill you all. I love you anyway. <laughs> it's a love-hate thing, but I love them, so it's all good. It's easy to hate them. Right, so the next one. Number five, themed cafes. Ah, this is you. This is a you one. Yeah, so we've got essentially two separate entities of themed cafes. As a, as a whole, you've got the maid cafes. Start with that, where... You've got the women on the streets that are trying to get you in, and they're all dressed up in your standard, what you'd expect, maid outfit. In France, back in the 20s. Yeah. Now, it's nothing dodgy, as it were. You essentially, you go in, you pay so much for an hour, um, you then buy your drink or your food on top of it, and you get the company of the maids for an hour. Um, you can't take photos. Nothing Unless inappropriate. You pay them Unless extra. you pay them. It's so an item balsam. on the menu. I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. A photo. Yeah. Not inappropriate stuff. That's not on the menu. <laughs> <laughs> but from, you know, from our point of view, it's just weird, isn't it? Well, I knew, I mean, Japan has a culture of what I can only kind of call a companion club culture. Mm -hmm. And it has different grades, a bit like manga and anime and stuff like this. There's different age groups. So you have Shonen Sane and there's loads. I can't remember them all, so <laughs> forgive me. A maid cafe is kind of one of these companion bars for all ages, mm. right? But the thing about it is it's a culture where you're expecting to go in there and it'll be like, I don't know, some kind of exotic table dance or some, yeah. I don't know, something <laughs> like that. But what it actually is, is cutesy kind of pop idol culture mm -hmm. where you go in there, they all sing a song, you're doing heart-shaped things and yeah. actually looking like a complete fool. Um, you have bolt-ons at all of these things because the adult version is a hostess bar or a host bar. And again, it's not sexual or sexualized. It's basically you're just dating. Um, but the loophole is essentially like you're dating whilst you're in a club and you're paying a fortune to have a drink or a snack or whatever. Then when you leave, if the hostess likes you, she'll give you a card and you can take her on dates of which you're paying for all of it. Right. So it's kind of like a weird simulation as opposed to a factual thing. Very rarely does it ever become a relationship based thing. It's more these girls have a life beyond the bar. Yeah, and it, it might costs be... me a fortune to find that out. I mean, it, it costs <laughs> people a fortune to find that out. But it's a companion <laughs> thing, and, like, basically, we might look at it all like, man, that's totally insane. But Japan is uh, immense, like, especially Tokyo. I should stay with the city. I'm sorry, folks. But 
Tokyo is such an extreme culture of work life, work life. Places like uh, the maid cafes are a kind of unusual mutation in the social spectrum. It's I almost think it's like a, almost like an extreme service because mm. from what I understood with the videos and stuff, and I also saw like you know groups of friends going to yeah. maid cafes, not just like individuals. It's almost like oh, you've come home, come in, and you know, and well, it's, they're it's, treating you. You know, it's it's a fantasy. Yeah, it, in a super most polite of these, way. <laughs> yeah. Most of these cafes, it's the maid cafes, especially most of them are actually in the Akihabara area. And it's a fantasy thing. It's mm. like you watch an anime and you've got this, or dating simulation games, which are huge out here. Mm. As I was trying to say, it's a social thing. Yeah. Because people don't have time to socialize outside their groups and packs. They might be single for a long, long time out here unless they have an arranged marriage, which still exists. Yeah. So for the fantasy element, for, oh, I could go out with that girl that I love most in class. To relive that, you'd probably go to an office workers cafe, which they have them. <laughs> or a kind of crazy goth punk cafe, which is the same. And they're all like made cafes. There's a menu of things you can ask a courtesy, smile, take a video, do weird gestures. A lot of older lads are going. Like middle-aged mm. business guys tend to go there. And I think that is an inappropriate thing. Mm. But it's really hard to fit that in our culture. I suppose yeah. the only thing we have in similar to the, the human made hostess, whatever, culture would be speed dating and just weird, you know, strange things like that. It's not are... quite comparable, though, is it? I think it's... I think It is It is comparable if you understand that it's a fantasy. Once you leave, mm. you don't know the people no, I think I think a better comparison might be, like, um, barmaids. You know, when... You know, because people are more chatty in the West and, you know, there's a bit of flirting yeah. going no, on. No, it's seriously not, because maid cafes are a living embodiment of a dating simulator. And if you haven't played a dating simulator, which are imbued into video games... You won't get that. All right. And so they are closer to an optional because I think the law to most fellas that go there, girls just go there because they find it hilarious or cute <laughs> or whatever. It's kawaii culture, you know. Mm. But lads, I literally think they think they're in a dating simulator. It's that impossible object that you're trying to get. Plus, they treat you like a master. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. how they refer to you. Yeah. And then they're mm. your pet almost. Yeah. You know. So, which which brings us on to the other exactly good segue, mate. The other the other strange. Well, it's not that strange um, as a concept. The animal cafes. Yeah. Um, they they're getting popularity worldwide, mainly cat cafes. Yeah. Um, which are also here. However, the very the first unusual ones we saw were the owl cafes, mm. um, and they'd actually have somebody outside advertising it with one of the owls. Oh, so cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we, uh, we looked a little bit further into some of them. Um, and there's the one in Asakusa, mm -hmm. which is the Owl, Otter and Hedgehog. That's right. Cafe. There's a Penguin Cafe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is the weirdest one. I mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think you're allowed to touch the penguins. Yeah. But you um, can feed them, I think. I think you might be yeah, able I to. Think yeah. you can I think there was a snake cafe. There's a snake yeah, cafe, yeah. yeah. There's uh, chinchillas, mm -hmm. isn't there? There's, yeah. um, what else has there been? Oh, the capybaras. Capybara, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. That's very unusual. <laughs> yeah. But I think, again, that's, that's a real sort of, uh, if you can't have pets in your home, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. get the simulation of, a, of yeah. a pet, you know. It's all simulation. <laughs> because everyone lives in boxes, you know, and it's a hard existence. Like this? Mm. Yeah, ex exactly, <laughs> like our luxurious mansion's <laughs> toilet. Um, but basically, like, 
that's really it. The culture is warped because of trying to emulate when you can't do it for real life. It actually does. Um, you could probably put this towards a neuroscientist. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Um, you could probably put this to a neuroscientist on if it actually has an impact on relationships in a good way. Mm. It's hard because Japan's losing population. You know, um, relationships and stuff like this are seemingly on a low, mm-hmm. you know, on a fall. But contrary to that, we've been around here. We've seen a lot of small families and young families mm-hmm. blooming. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a cool thing. Yeah. But what I will say is I think it can save marriages because it takes the temptation element away mm. because it's culturally not about anything but the thrill of the chase. And then it's all kind of goofy after that. Mm. But I don't know. It would be an interesting neuroscientist social Are you talking experiment. about the capybaras? I'm talking about everything, like pets and maids and hostings and all kinds of stuff. Pet cafe is the only thing I will say, especially to our vegan and vegetarian audience. And I know there's at least uh, one of you. If you're still listening, hi, how are you doing, vegans and vegetarians? Um, should split you because vegetarians you can actually converse with, but vegans, not so much. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Georgia. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we love you, really, uh, but just keep your distance. Uh, what it is is um, they are quite sad. At times, you feel like it's because, again, they're not big places. It is uh, all in all a glorified shop front. So it'll be some as small as our amazing toilet in the mansion, some really quite vast, actually. They'll have the penguin one, should be pretty big to house penguins. I think it's probably a case of um, have a look online yeah. before it is. you go because Japan's a regulated place. Yeah. It's not, you know, some of the, some of the countries you go to where oh, they can be just cruelty. do anything. It isn't about cruelty, but no. it's about sadness because yeah, the yeah. space is little. It's almost like a zoo, mm. but you're there having a cup of coffee, you know, mm. in a box, a box zoo. And also some of them do allow smoking. Yes, which is always tough mm. for an animal, you know. Yeah. Um, but you will look at it and on the bright side, if you think cat cafes, the more, you know, domestic stuff, yeah, rabbit cafes, yeah. cats, dogs, whatever, yeah. they're all usually fine it's like walking into your grandmother's house Mm. and she's got a crazy (laughs) cat fetish or whatever you know but yeah i mean it's i think i'll leave that to the individual to Mm -hmm. discuss the morality of it but from by and large it's also quite an incredible thing to see because these owls we've seen four or five of them on the Mm. street they're they're indigenous owls to hear special owls but to see an owl that mm-hmm. close to people in daytime is quite amazing i'm perfectly happy i'm happy yeah. yeah yeah so they are looking after these animals folks mm-hmm. it's not like they're whipping them or anything to do tricks <laughs> they're just it's like a pet yeah it's like going to a pet shop they're all out and they're able to freely form and run around especially the alligator ones they're, yeah, yeah they're fine but you get like again, like the hosting thing, like the maid thing. You get prices and menus, and you can feed them. And you can take photos mm-hmm. at a price, and there's an entry charge to a lot of them. So yeah. just keep that in mind. Yeah. Worth an experience, though. Mm-hmm. And if you if you have no idea of the dating simulations, I don't blame you. Uh, if you have no <laughs> idea of the culture of what we're talking about, that's fine. If you want to see something particularly strange, and you've got an amazingly big bank account, have at it. Mm-hmm. Check it out and see what you think, and you know, drop us a comment. Let yeah, us know. tell us in the you comment won't. just down it. Of but, course, you'll you know. never do that. Um, maybe a maid is more likely to do that. Mm, I don't know. Yeah. So moving on. Oh, by the way, 
good important thing. I don't think you can hire the maids to clean your house afterwards either. No. I don't think that's on the menu. Yeah. What can you do? <laughs> and I do think a lot of the staff are actually young girls trying to become pop idols Probably, to be seen. Yeah, because yeah, mm. it's basically a training camp with all mm. the goofy dance stuff and everything they do. See that? Yeah, You've great. been, haven't you? I, well, I used to be one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I used to be a cafe, yeah. Now I'm just a maid. Right, so moving on. Number four, you guys love this one, 28-hour clocks. <laughs> Shall I tell you this one? Yeah, go for it. Well, we were looking to watch football here because we don't really care about the rugby, sorry. Um, and obviously football is on at stupid in the morning, four or five o'clock. Because we're which, eight, now nine hours ahead of the We UK. are nine because they've just put the hours yeah. back. Um one thing I'll say is, like, obviously in Hong Kong you can do it. Uh, Hong Kong is more accessible. There's a lot of English football teams, like the best one in the world, um, that have bases and fans. Yeah, the Wolves have got a, uh, a an official fan sports club out there. Yeah, but that's about uh, the actual animal. Um, so basically... <laughs> <laughs> well, Basically, we are a wolf team in China. Yeah, you are, yeah. Uh, well, it's cheating when you just set a pack of wolves out on the pitch. But anyway, like, we have official things. Like, Wolverhampton has mm -hmm. one. Uh, we have one. Chelsea, obviously. <coughs> uh, Man <laughs> Manchester. Did you try to say that? So, yeah. So, Manchester, Alvin, like, blah, blah, blah. Both Manchester clubs. I'm not going to name them after that. I might explode or combust. But basically... It's easy to do it. Mm -hmm. And they've got sports packages. Because, I mean, Hong Kong has been, obviously, anglicised, you mm -hmm. know, so mm -hmm. everything links. But here, you really start understanding. One thing that was amazing, actually, this ties into how early things shut. Tokyo, we always thought, we always thought was a city that doesn't sleep. You know, like Vegas, New York. Metropolis, Chicago, stuff like yeah. This. It turns out it sleeps pretty damn well. Especially most... at the weekends. Yeah, especially at the weekends. Which is yeah. unusual. It is. Where things are shutting down, probably in night from 9 to 11, mm. most things are dead. They did say to us at a few of the sports bars we went to, which are miles away, uh, they said, well, if there's a lot of people want to watch it, Champions League final, good example, they'll be there. Like, they'll mm. be open. But for all the everyday stuff, not so bothered. Now... That could be because Japan has its own football league, so that takes precedent. Mm. And most people, that really did shock me, because I honestly thought it was the same culture as Hong Kong, where mm. people work mm. late at night, and then there's got to be something open, right? But it's really sparse. Mm. You'll it's have, really difficult to yeah, find. Yeah, you'll have 24-hour places, but they are very, very limited. Well, I found one that was open until 7am. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we kicked off at 5 to 2 in the morning, so I had to chill in there overnight exactly to watch yeah. the game yeah but it's it's like i said it's almost like the same thing in birmingham mm. if you take birmingham england because around the world it's different la they're laughing at me right now because everything's open pretty much <laughs> yeah but in birmingham you'll have say one mcdonald's in a region mm. that you can actually sit in and the rest of it will be shut you'll have bars with 24-hour licenses because that's the thing but very rare and they, even if they've got it, they don't stay open. Yeah, pretty I've much, never seen a 24-hour bar. Yeah, pretty much we're late. It's probably 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, unless it's a Super Bowl. And then... mm. Your clubs will be open till you know, 4, 5, 6. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty much how it is, you know. But if it was open till 6 in the morning in Japan, 
it wouldn't say. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That yeah, this is the point. That it is wouldn't the thing. say. We're going to so get back to the point. Yeah. If it opens at three, well, here's fifteen hundred. Fine. Yeah. What would it say for six o'clock in the morning as a closing time? Well, I don't actually think we've seen up to six. I don't. So go for four. I think we've gone up to the the highest I've gone up to is twenty eight. That's four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And it's, it, it's literally you go past 12 <laughs> and I feel like, oh, the day is still going. We'll yeah. add some more numbers 1 a.m. is 2,500. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty Yeah, it's a, it's, see, it's a very, very odd thing because only certain places do it. I think it makes sense. I get it. Well, you I'm would. having to do you extra would. maths. <laughs> and especially if I was drunk trying to figure out when the place was closing, I'd be there like, what? It closes in 2,500. Brilliant. What to me? I've like, got another 400 odd years of drinking. To me, it's actually how you do 24-hour clock drunk. It resets after you <laughs> yeah. sleep. Yeah, but it's literally a 24-hour clock if you're drunk. Oh, it's 25. Oh, all right. Oh, it's 26. All right. <laughs> but the thing is, and this is, we're referring mostly to a chain of British pubs called The Hub. Mm-hmm which have actually three time sheets in front of every door. So I'll have what they're showing on TV, the actual bar opening times, and then this freaking gibberish 28-hour <laughs> clock, which you I, I, just don't know what is happening, really. You I know? like to see it as a way of getting around licensing laws. So, you know, you have to close at 0000 hours, and you go, well, we haven't hit that yet. We're, yeah. we're only at 2600. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think it's more like um, they're open if there's people, and once the people are gone, they shut. I think <laughs> it's kind of a loo thing. Mm. So if they're expecting a huge turnout for the World Cup final, for example, and three people and a yak turn up, they'll probably shut down after 10 minutes. Ah, uh, yaks can drink, though. Oh, they can. They mm. can. Uh, legal for yaks to drink. Well known for it. Yeah, yeah. But you've never seen a yaki sober, so there you go. Um, we're going to move on. We're going to move on because I think that covers it. It's a very unusual drunk clock mm-hmm. that uh, apparently Wynne understands, but she doesn't know left or right, so I wouldn't trust her. What's the next one? Number three. Uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Number three, highball cocktails. Well, this is most definitely a mm. unicorn slayer mm-hmm. thing. So if you go out and have a drink in Japan, um, it's, it's not ridiculously expensive, but it's not that cheap. Um, but the cheapest things and the most popular by far are the highballs, which they serve everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Um, it's your standard along with beer. So a lot of the restaurants, they will just do beer and a highball cocktail. It's essentially, it's a whiskey soda. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Which, it's, it, it's like going into a, an English bar and there being one thing on the cocktail menu. Yeah. That's it. It's that popular. Well, it's, it's basically like the British gin craze that's kicked off, and you'll have a gin bar. Mm-hmm. But in Japan, a highball, I think, is a way for younger people to enjoy malts and bourbons and stuff, because it's quite a, it's quite a whiskey-drinking culture, Japan, which yeah. is a bit weird. And whiskey is very cheap here, if it's yeah. the local stuff. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But the highball thing, I knew about it, but again... That's because video games, which are an education, folks. Don't knock them. Um, but, yeah, I think if you came here absolutely knowing zip to nothing about Japan, especially Tokyo, I think it'll be prevalent around Japan, though. 
I think you'll see highball and be like, is that some kind of lottery thing or is that like yeah. a pinball game or something? It'll confuse or you. Washing up liquid. But it comes on. I think it comes from the construct of um, they used to do their ice in a in a sphere and put it in, and then it would fill the glass so the ball would raise. Mm. And, you know, and I think that's where it came from as a construct. I wonder if it's related to the glass. It could be. Yeah, it could like be that. Glass. Oh, yeah, yeah. that might be more accurate. Mm. I've, I think I've heard too. And I just want to clarify, like it's um. A highball is soda and like a shot of whiskey, yeah. which is gross. But they have flavored ones too, because you can have like a yuzu flavor. Mm -hmm. You can they mix it with a ginger ale or whatever. There's Orange. There's, there's a whole list. Or you, or you can have a uh, a coke highball, mm. which is just a whiskey ja and coke. It's pretty yeah. much Jack and Coke. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So yeah. Um, but we've seen we've seen bourbon highballs. We've seen yeah. malt highballs. We've yeah, seen yeah, scotch yeah. highballs. It's it's the whole range. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So. Um, but yeah, the thing is also important to point out, there are highball bars only. Mm -hmm. that, that's a specialist, right? Yeah. Um, I would also say that Izakaya, which is pretty much the most standard drink meat tapas place. It's like Japanese food, but small portions. Yeah. It's definitely there for the workers to have yeah. a laugh at the end of the day. Uh, those kinds of places, which are the special places to go for here, will have sake and mm. uh, different things like this there as well um but highballs are pretty much you you're right they're pretty much up there with beer here yeah very common so that's a good one to point out yeah cool number two sure number two rubbish bins or lack thereof <laughs> well this sort of bridges to etiquette i'll take this one a bit but this was really shocking now before we came here our landlord here actually sent us a note saying you know how the japanese bin system works it was a very detailed pdf yeah mm -hmm. yeah but before he did that he just said do you guys know now we're from england now england's pretty extreme too mm. with recycling we have a way of doing it america very similar to the uk uh, i can't tell you for the rest of the world i think the germany's, spanish germany's quite strict yeah germany um, germany's between us and here uh, yeah. Essentially between the UK and Japan. Yeah, Spanish is casual. It's very much two bins. Recycling's there and bins yeah. are there. However, we were thinking that the Japanese one would sort of ring true to like the UK one, which is getting harsher every kind of year, <laughs> but, no but nothing in comparison to here. Because the thing you'll notice here is there's literally, if you're on the streets, forget home because most people will be staying in hotels and come here. Uh, they won't rent Airbnb mm -hmm. or whatever. But if you are renting Airbnb, it's expected to be even worse than what I'm about to say. If you are going to stay in a hotel, what you will find is on the street, you will go to a vending machine or a convenience store and you will see bins pretty much for cans and plastics and nothing else. Mm -hmm. So if you've got your tissues or whatever and your wipey hands or anything like this, you can't use these bins for that. You just can't. Instead, you'll find that every one convenience store on a week called july will actually have burnable or combustible mm -hmm. and non-combustible and then you gotta go okay so what do i burn because again you wouldn't really put plastic in that oh but you can oh yeah and you wouldn't really put uh foil in that and you can't so you've got to go into this extreme logic so again if you come into japan 
you really need to know the system, especially that your bins are collected in a certain time and you have to have it all divided. Otherwise, they won't pick it up and then your place will just reek and you'll have bins everywhere. You made a good observation that there's a hickey, uh, hikikori uh, culture, hikikomori. Like? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So I got down the end. The shut-in, the shut-in sort in. of culture. We abbreviate to neat. Thank, thanks yeah. to uh, Crunchyroll and N-E-E-T. people like that. Yeah. Mm. E-E-T. E-E-T. Yeah. E-E-T. Neat. And uh, the sort of image of a neat, like sort of shut-in, is a person in the dark in a small room, c- surrounded by bags of trash. Trash. Mm. And now we understand it's probably un. Uh, unsorted. Well, it's, it's just, basically yeah. just to abbreviate this. In reality, it's basically an actual condition here where people are so depressed that they gradually shut themselves out of yep. society. Mm. For things we said, social, mm. you know, structures and pressures. Yeah. <clears throat> and one of the things that's always seen in Japanese dramas or whatever is that guy that's basically foot on over his head, never leaves his room, and it's mm. co- covered in trash. Yeah. I think it's interesting because. When you've dealt with depression, serious conversation for a second, mm-hmm. you start shutting down things. Firstly, you won't go out to see people as much anymore. Second thing, you won't want to go out to shop anymore, so you'll just get takeaway. Third thing is that becomes too much of a problem, so you can't be bothered. And then that's the point you kind of reach the mm-hmm. neat state. You know, when you're a single person or yeah. whatever in isolation, it's usually those processes. One thing that I think could get you there as a fast run is the trash system because it's absolutely loopy and you will be carrying your, all your tissues quite mm-hmm. a long way, maybe miles even. Yeah, we've been carrying trash in our bags for yeah. miles, yeah. Yeah. literally. And it, again, it's an important thing to smokers as well. If you find your regulated smoking spots and maybe they don't even have an ashtray that you can use, you get these little pouches that you can stub. You need to like keep your butts. Mobile ashtrays, but some of yep. them just pouches that you just stub stuff out. At some point, you got to unload all of that. And it's even harder to find ashtrays. So, yeah, mm. yeah it's, it's pretty brutal, man. And a lot of people here, you can see that as, even as local perspective, people take advantage of fast food chains and they're just sticking their trash in a corner or public toilets and they'll put it in a corner. And it, you know, it's it's organized to the point of ludicrousy. You but know. there's also a limit. So if you if you have too much trash, you either have to pay extra or yeah. you know, yeah, it's it's really strict. Mm. It's very very strict as a policy. So when we thought, hey, well, we got a pretty strict one, we haven't. No. Uh, you might as well just celebrate how filthy we are in the UK. It's pretty, it's pretty different. Essentially, that bin in the UK where you throw all your rubbish in. Yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. it really doesn't. And <laughs> it's I'll, that I'll, simple. Yeah, you literally have to divide foils, papers, everything. Everything has to yeah, be divided. Yeah. So what I will say in closing, however, is the plus side to it is these streets are spotless. There oh, is yeah. no chewing gum. There is no nothing mm-hmm. on the floor. Mm-hmm. Very few areas you might see cigarette butts. That's where the... The, the late rebels. night crew, as soon as they know the police are sleeping, they run to every part of town and just get away with crime, basically. We saw one back alley, didn't we, yeah. in... Was it Ueno? Uh, we've seen one in Ueno, but the it one that you're referring to, I think, of... was at Akihabara. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. full of trash, wasn't it? It was literally trash. It was cigarette. Mm. It felt like the UK. I felt proud. Yeah. It felt a little bit like you're in London. Yeah, but apart from that, everywhere else has been... Spotless. Spotless. Really spotless. And it is, 
it's cool to see that, but at what cost? It almost feels like mm. it's an illogical logic. But anyway, so we move on. Okay. So, drum roll, please. It's the, it's, the, it's the top two now. No. Is this the first? This is number one, this isn't is it? This is number one, Oh, yeah. wow, we went through that quickly. We are, we are at our hour <laughs> mark, Do you know why? So... I just spent the last five minutes talking trash. Carry on. <sighs> number one is Americanization. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll, I, I want to start this one off again as the resident veteran of the, the Americas. I haven't been to South America, so the America of the North, but not quite Canada. How's that? That's pretty the good. The United States of America. And they're not very united, though, are they, really? Let's be <laughs> honest. Um, hi, America. How are you doing? I'm going to be a rep. When I thought of Tokyo as a wee badger before I evolved into an ape, I thought that America, Americanization, Japan, I always knew it was part of the culture because of uh, the sanctions after World War II. I want to skip through that as fast as I can yep. because it's whatever. But I always knew those influences. The have a nice day thing has influenced here, um, which is a big California staple when I first went. Now they're more cynical. Well done. Um, but basically... Yeah, things here were, um, there was always a kind of, you know, you'd have your Dennis. I knew that. Dennis is a chain that's pretty much American only, uh, apart from it's in Japan. <laughs> but that's an assimilated thing, because Dennis by name, but everything else is pretty much Japanese. Um, you have a lot of things here that you wouldn't expect here. But the first thing you'd never expect, coming into the airport... Because, you know, we've been in Hong Kong before this, so our head's set to Asia. And every time I come back to Hong Kong, you have to do that switch. Leave the West behind. That's a whole thing. Europe, America, Australia, New Zealand, all this stuff. That's a whole wave of thought. Well, pretty much the same in differences. You know, we, we've got the same vibes and we do the same thing. But then you turn up here in Asia, not here particularly, Hong Kong, and you have to tweak it so you've got to be the etiquette things there's rules there's regulations the culture the mass of people the big cities you got to change now i always thought japan would be quite a lot like hong kong um didn't really think about tokyo because i always thought kyoto and osaka is you know family from there but i thought tokyo especially would probably be the crown jewel of Japan being the fact that it's Japanese and the identity is so severe and I always knew that. But the first thing I got when we got to Haneda after the airport, which was exciting to go through all of that and you're in Japan finally, it's great. We got on the first monorail and at that point I was just like, man, this is Detroit. Mm. And then you get on the monorail, man, this is Los Angeles. This is New York. This mm. is... Looking out the window. Yeah, seeing yeah, yeah, yeah. Pizza, Literally right? everything you've ever seen in the USA. Yeah, yeah. All the vibe was that. The, the subway stations are very reminiscent mm -hmm. of that. You get out onto the street level, and we were in one of the finance districts here, almost near Minato, I believe, when we first came here. And it was just on the street. It literally looked like Beverly Hills in K-Town in Los Angeles. And that really shocked me. It, it, not in a necessarily good way, and it's no offense to America, but it shocked me in a way that I was expecting at least more presence of Japan mm -hmm. here, you know, when you see... It was too familiar. It was way yeah. too familiar. Yeah, I think that's the point. And yeah. that's a disappointment. It's not a knock on America. It's just like, wow, you mm. know, what happened? 
yeah. you feel like you're in a standard Western city. You do, you rather do. Rather than you do. Mm. Yeah, you know, one of the biggest cities in Asia. Yeah, which is which is, I remember the, one of the first things I actually said to Pete when we got here was like, it's shocking to me that people are culture shocked by Japan mm. if it looks like this. Mm. Yeah, you know, and of course we've seen why they're culture shocked. I mean. Uh, Where'd you put my rubbish? You know, <laughs> but basically the you know the etiquettes, and then when you start living here, the thing is, I had such expectation that I've had to bring that expectation right down to say, okay, it's an international city. Okay, it's kind of like London. Okay, it's kind of yeah. like New York. That's the template, right, mm. of an international city. Luckily, as we've explored this place, we've seen places like Asakusa. Uh, Iwana mm. is a good place. Um, and then we went to Ginza. Well, yeah. Well, we'll we talked about it on the podcast, but obviously we've seen the Japanese side yeah. of stuff, but it's really sad. In a kind of Native American looking on his lands that have been raped and pillaged and turned into like a bloodbath with a tear rolling down his cheek. We all know that film. It's Wayne's World 2. Um, basically, it's that kind of incentment that you're just looking at this field going, wow, man, like... Where's Japan, mm. you know? And luckily you do see it. Yeah. And I think the other culture shock I had, the Americanization, was the Tokyo Dome. Mm. And I'm not going to dwell on that because it will ruin the series that's going to follow this. But um, I will say that was like having a little Los Angeles next mm. to you. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Which is way different from how I expected this. In fact, I'm going to end this on my side. Everyone else should have their own thought. But my side of this is um, a mate of mine, very good mate, out in California, Ken Oak. If you're watching this or you stumble on this, we'll tag you anyway just to annoy you. But you came out here in the Fukushima situation. And I remember something that's never left me. You said that, you know, because you're in a different area, you, you came to Tokyo, obviously. But in Fukushima, obviously, it's way more Japanese. A bit like Sendai and all these places. And you said, hey, you know, like, Tokyo's not actually like Little Tokyo in Los Angeles. It actually is. <laughs> so I'm just saying that to you. Um, it actually is quite a lot like it in places. But I know what you mean. When you see Asakusa and you see the temples and the shrines and everything, you know you're here. All right. But I think it's just sad to see how Japan has accumulated Europe and America as its culture rather than and this is a really idealistic thing to say but rather than built cities in its own identity because could you imagine we see the kabuki theater in tokyo and just that building is absolutely mind-blowing mm. could you imagine if the whole city was structured like that you could keep it all buildings but it was like that so i i feel like it's a sad thing in asia that there's a compensation factor mm. and you shouldn't most asian people on the street would never dream of being you know we're proud to be korean proud to be japanese proud to be chinese but it's the governments so i'm going to say this to all governments in asia all of them all right you're not going to watch this you're definitely not going to comment there no one does um but I, I, I sort of say to you guys, stop trying to compensate with the world's biggest towers and the world's biggest buildings and focus on identity and culture because you guys are at a level, especially Japan, where you're world leaders in innovation, inspiration around the world. Focus on that and flourish. That's the only advice I can give you. Hopefully the new emperor, he's, he's cool. New emperor, me and him like that, you know. He doesn't know me. 
Um, but he should. If you're watching, New Emperor, have a word with Abe. That's all I'm going to say. All right, so I'm done. Anyone else want to say about the Americanization thing? Because uh, you guys have different experiences. Pete's only been to Florida, essentially. You've been to places I've been to. Places, yeah. But um, what did you think? Like, you touched down here. Because well, you've been to Tokyo before. We... I have. Um, to be honest, compared with last time when I came here, I felt it was more American. Because last time when I came here, um, I hadn't started learning Japanese. So the language element was very foreign. Like, I was trying to decode things. And I could read, like, some of the Chinese characters. But then you know, have a clue as to which way we're supposed to go. But then having learnt the alphabet and coming back, so much of the language, at least in Tokyo, is anglicized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like, uh, tomato. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, receipt is recito. Um, you know, karaoke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, even, even typhoon is typhoon. Mm. So, well, karaoke, I had to point this out, is actually a Japanese, Japanese word. word, yeah. It's like saying, <laughs> oh, they've anglicized Toyota. Yeah, yeah. That was also Whatever. Japanese, yeah. Anyway. Just, uh, just saying it, just before we get a comment, yeah, which yeah. we don't. Which we won't. Uh, but, yeah, there are just so many words that within a phrase or within everyday life that is, you know, that has links to English. I think that really shocked me. Because mm. yeah. I'm like, oh, what is this word in Japanese? And then I'm reading and it's like, freedom. And I'm like, <laughs> freedom. Okay. But it's also, it's also that you are slowly de-icing your ignorance to language. Yes. So, I mean, it's like a reveal. Mm. So it might have always been like yeah, that yeah, in yeah, our yeah, lifetime, yeah. No, but absolutely. you've just started paying attention to it. I will say one thing that I found interesting in your experience just vicariously, though. Um... Because you've covered Tokyo, which mm -hmm. you never did when you came before. You'd always been a, a, a yeah. I was limited by um, you know what family you wanted. To exactly. Do yeah. And... It's like going to Disneyland with your parents. You don't really get to do the stuff <laughs> you want to do. It can be one thing you want to do, but you want to do eighty-five things. Pete obviously wanted to go out and get drunk with a Hi, bunch Bordu. of women. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but basically, like I think through you, Vicariously, I think the things that have changed here, especially um, the acceleration of that process could be because of the World Cup, could be mm. because the Olympics. Is well, as, I mm. as we discussed previously, it's probably only Tokyo, like yeah. the outside of Tokyo. Well, I think... They'll have a Japanese word for receipt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, I would say that would be the positive look. I think from friends I've got in Osaka and, you know, family and stuff, I think it's kind of like... I think it's kind of the template of change here. Mm. And I think Osaka, which used to be quite a quiet, chilled out place, is getting a huge surge of tourism. Mm. We're also having the World Trade Center there soon. Mm -hmm. uh, World Trade Center, World Trade Expo. Uh, Expo, Sorry. World Expo. Sorry, New York. Jeez, that was a faux pas. Careful. World, World Expo. Expo in, in Osaka. Osaka. So the tourism is starting to rise. Um, I think things will adapt in a similar pattern to Tokyo, obviously it's like London being the blueprint of all the cities in the UK. It is, but we have our own way of doing it. And I think Osaka has its own way of doing stuff. Kyoto obviously is separate. They're not going to change for no one. They might be more accessible, but by one degree, you know, because that's really Japan, mm. Kyoto, you know. But I would say the acceleration here has to be because it's having two of the biggest world Events. Viewed. Yeah. Events ever. Mm. Uh, well, rugby, meh. 
But football would be enormous. So Japan, hopefully, you get it after England gets it. Because in uh, two thousand and two, Japan and South Korea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they'll get it again. Obviously, mm -hmm. sure. We should keep it like on rotation. Like every five years, it's the same couple of countries. So that's enough for me, Pete. Ending. Um, all I say on the West, well, Americanization, Westernization is. I've been in Hong Kong for a month. Now Japan for a month. I haven't had any trouble yeah. getting by getting what I need, even when I'm on my own. You have had us. Literally just said even when no, I'm on my own. No, we're, we're the trouble. <laughs> I'm just saying, you've had us. Camera died. Okay. Oh. Should we charge it up and then do an ending, or...? We've still got that one, haven't we? Yeah, that one's still rolling. All right. Well, we, we, we killed the Unicorn Slayer's camera. You could say that we actually slayed it. It's actually it. the no, camera that's on you. Oh, it's my... Yeah. So the Unicorn Slayer camera killed my camera. Oh, that makes yeah. a lot let of sense. Let me just add... Let me just change the, ba the battery. No, it's, that's li right. it's literally going to be It's right. seconds, it's, isn't it? It's peace for you anyway, so yeah. you have yeah. no trouble. Go yeah. on. I've had no trouble getting by, um, which, take it whichever way you want, um, obviously does show that it is a lot more westernised than maybe it used to be. I don't know. Yeah. But you see the point I'm making. I do. <laughs> I do. I think it's... Uh, don't get me wrong, I've loved all of it. Well, it's kind of cool because you actually came into this whole trip knowing very, very little mm. about both places. And I think it's, it's more solid to say that your point of view is actually the point of view many people have here. Because mm. I think by and large, especially if you come for the Olympics or so like that, by and large, here's your camera's about yep. to die. Okay, YouTube, so uh, we only had a license uh, that we paid for long enough to show you us for the time that you've seen us. And, of course, our license is as far as our batteries last, and they are both died now. Um, <laughs> that's basically how strict the etiquette rules are in Japan. Uh, they kill your batteries when you've had enough airtime. Uh, we are recording this in Japan, obviously. We will air this from the UK by the time you get to see it. But that doesn't matter. Because one thing I'm going to say to you right now is it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. And we're going to say thank you to all of Tokyo. We haven't been to the whole of Japan. We are going to Yokohama, but you will get to hear that adventure on the podcast. You'll just have to go back in time quite a way uh, to episode, I think it's 50. 50. Mm. 50. Yeah, it'll be number yeah. 50. There you go. So go to episode 50 and we sort of continue. You should have heard it already. <laughs> you should have. You should have. Well, most people have. And I say mm. most people. So if you aren't most people, you're obviously a trendsetter. Not a you're trend one of our 23 subscribers. Uh, no, they're the most people. Mm. Uh, you, If you aren't on the most people list, then you're obviously part of the mass. It's only the minor that we get. No, I'm joking. Uh, anyway, that sounds wrong. Let's rephrase, <laughs> yeah. Let's rephrase that. Yeah. It's not a coal miner that listens to us. It's, um, it's uh, 26 people. So, hi, 26 people. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, I will say this, just in closing. We, we sort of cut off on a really good point about Americanization. Pete was talking about how he's never been to these places before. He's not had any trouble. It is important to say that if you're in Japan, it's a very helpful country oh, of the, course, the, yeah. the people yeah. here with all the etiquette comes super politeness and and they're super super helpful if you ask them for help um and there's mutual respect as long as you respect their culture as well you know um but yeah no there's some really amazing people i can guarantee if you're here for a long time extended time even a couple of weeks you will probably come back with friends 
you will have friends in Japan you will see again, and they're pretty much for life. There's... Hi, Rio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Shintaro. Um, yeah. But basically, um, definitely, definitely come visit Japan. Mm -hmm. And if you come to Tokyo, I think it's a good start for you to come to Tokyo because there's a lot more things here than that you know. Of course, we all have different experience levels with Japan. Pete is an open-minded chap, so he can go off and he'll try something that uh, he's never had before. But most of it's very much something you understand, especially mm -hmm. from having Hong Kong as your gateway to Japan. Yeah, yeah. Um, for Win and I, we know a lot of the cuisine. We know a lot of that stuff. I would suggest anyone traveling to Tokyo looks, just go on Google, check out all of the top 10 dishes of Tokyo. You'll have donsets, donburi, donkatsu. We're getting a lot of actually Japanese culture and food in, in the UK right now, but you'll have curries, you'll have things that you've seen and know, and everywhere in Japan, everywhere, there is a branch of something that is Western. So you'll be okay in pasta, pizza, all that stuff that exists here. And it's not actually as unusual as the Hong Kong pizza. <laughs> so that's a good step in the right direction. Convenience stores are your friend. If you're at home and you got a microwave or a hotel and microwave. The quality is really good. Convenience mm. stores are your friends. 7-Eleven yeah, yeah. food, Family Mart food, it's all really, really good. In fact, there's not much distinction from a supermarket and a convenience store mm. unless it's a huge supermarket, right? Yeah. Or Tsukiji, which I said right. <laughs> Thank God. So that's enough for us. Uh, we will be back to the podcast as always. Uh, but this has been a special for the series. Thank you for watching until we cut you off or <laughs> we will cut off, whatever you prefer. We will be back in podcast form on Monday, every Monday, and uh, I'll leave it to win for the wrap-up. Subscribe to FIA Gets Tubed on YouTube for access to all Project FIA episodes and extras. As you know, you can find our podcast on all the major platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Ask us questions and drop us your comments via email. Our address is projectfia.rebelrated at gmail.com. And of course, we are also on Twitter. Our handle is projectfia.rebelrated.